and lives transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. People who were in bondage, I wish I could show pictures of transformation. And I want you to know, they did not have the background for it. They didn't have the knowledge on how to do it. But God has provided. God is given mercifully to this ministry. And I've seen several who have been so successful. And Rachel's sitting there is on staff now, and she went through it, and I am so proud of her. Yes, 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 yes. So I want them to know how much I appreciate being able to be a part of your ministry. I get to go every Tuesday, you may be seated. I get to go every Tuesday and teach there and be a part of imparting truth to them. And I love them, and they're part of my prayers often. It, almost every day they come before the Lord with me in prayer. I want us to uh, turn our attention to the Bible, and we're going to read a passage from Luke 21, verse 32. I'm going to speak this morning on what if. What if? Two simple words. Would you stand with me as we read this scripture together? Um, Luke 21, 32. Let me go to my Bible. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, which is the next verse, but my words will never pass away. Listen to that again. But I tell you this, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Father, I just pray right now as we stand in your presence that we become humble servants to hear the voice of the Lord speak to us individually. Let us, O oh Lord, open our hearts for the voice of the Spirit to speak while I speak these words. Let your Spirit be authoritative. Let your Spirit be powerful in bringing these truths to life in their lives. And we give you all the glory and honor for you deserve it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated. What if, what if, we've all said that word, those two words, what if, what if I had done this, what if I had said this, we've been able to apply those two words to a lot of circumstances in life, but I want to use those two words as powerful words this morning to bring us into Scripture. The first thing I'd like to mention this morning is what if this is the time of the Lord's return? 
What if this is the time Jesus returns? You see, three people out of ten today believe that something catastrophic is going to happen. This is a recent survey. Something catastrophic is going to happen, even possibly three out of ten, even the end of the world in their lifetime. There is one out of four that believe that the prophecies of Revelation will come to pass in their lifetime. You see, one of the things that we need to realize that right in some of your lives, and some of this is a part of my life, we have seen scriptures being fulfilled. We have, we have seen history live out what God had predicted. The first thing I'd like to mention over the last 70 years, we have World War II. Now, what's the significance of World War II? Well, before World War II, the European countries were always at odds with each other. They always fought each other. But after the war of World War II, they began to realize they needed one another. And they sort of came into a concept that if we're going to survive, we need a coalition of European nations. And they called it at that time the common market. In 1957, this was established. But the importance of that is that this had to happen in history. It had to happen for the Roman Empire, predicted by Daniel, to be reformed. The atomic bomb is also a fulfillment of Scripture, and I'll tell you why. In 1945, the atomic bomb was dropped on Japan. It was the most destructive weapon of history at that time. It was 2,000 times more powerful than any bomb that existed before it. That time led nations after that experience to feel like we need to enter into treaties to try to maintain peace. I don't know if you understand this, but it not only does the United States, and not only does um, China, and not only does Russia have nuclear capabilities, but there are nine nations in our world who have nuclear capabilities today. And that should make all of us nervous. And that did. And people began to enter, to try to enter into some kind of peace to prevent that from happening. But this also is a part of the prophetic message, the picture of nations coming together that is seen in the book of Revelation. Another incident from history is the rise of Islam. You see, in 1979, the Iranian Revolution took place. And from that, it spread to other Arab, uh, Arab nations. And they began to... Uh, experience a need of protecting one another and being, even though some of them are at odds with each other, they're all in common with one thing, and that is the destruction of Israel. And the Bible says that they, their rise, it came within our lifetime of most people in here, 1979, 
And it came into be because the Bible says these nations will unite together to invade Israel in the end time. Then there's the Berlin Wall. And you may ask, where does that fit in with the end times? You see, in the fall of 1989, the curtain fell. 27 miles separating the east from the west. On the east was the southern influence. On the west was the influence of the west, United States, Britain, France. This was a division. This was a cold war between communism on one hand and freedom on the other hand. And in this happening in 1970, 1989, something happened. Something happened. The Soviet Union lost its control over its union. And what happened from that that's significant is that eight nations that were European countries was able to join the EU and become a part of the European Union. This also is a part of God's puzzle. You see, these things that were happening, they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know it was scriptural. They didn't know it was biblical. But it's unfolded before all of us who have lived older and those who are living now. Another thing is globalization. The age of globalization where we're trying to bring the whole world into one new world order so that everything can be mandated, whether it be political, whether it be, uh, or, uh, whether it be political, or whether it be uh, anything, health issues, economic issues, social issues, and even religious issues will come from it. Because of that, it is leading us up did you see one thing that happened just recently that the World Health Organization tried to pull all nations together to give the power of one man and one organization the power to dictate over disease and over mandates that when that person decides that or that group decides that every nation had to abide by it. You see how that is also a formation of what's to come with the Antichrist? Some man is gonna step out in history and fulfill the prophecy of an Antichrist in this world. So what if this is the time of his coming? These things have all added up to let us realize this was prophesied by God and now we're seeing it unfold. Now, the second thing is what if we say that God is delaying his coming? What if we say he's delaying his coming? In 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and verse 4, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Every since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. You see, there's two things that we can realize here. 
that there are people who do not even know anything about the Bible. There are people that don't even know to scoff the second coming of Christ. And then there are those who understand that there is a message of his coming. And they scoff at it and they laugh at it. Why do they do it? Because they love evil. Because they are evil. And because they are evil, they don't want to acknowledge any interference of God into their future or lifestyle. But let me tell you something. God is as much in control today as he ever has been or ever will be. No matter what's happening in our world, he is in control and we can take comfort in that. Because people have this kind of mindset of not even knowing about the coming of the Lord, or if they know about it and they scoff at it, it brings about an atmosphere. And the atmosphere, one, is an atmosphere of indifference. When you don't think something is going to happen, then there's indifference. Look at Luke 17, verse 26 through 30. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Look at the next verse. In that same, it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. Left, Lot left Sodom. Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Now, when this scripture says the day of the Son of Man is revealed, it's talking about his second coming, not talking about the rapture. But the rapture will take place before the second coming. So what we need to heed to ourselves is that just as Noah in his day spoke of the coming of the flood and lot of the experience of God's judgment, you see, Abraham wanted to save that city, those two cities. He wanted to plead because he had family there. And he kept asking God, if there's this many, will you save them? If, you, if, if there's this many, will you save them? If there's this many, will you save them? And he got down to 10 names, 10 people. And he thought for sure they would 10 people because counting the son-in-laws and the daughters, there were 10 people. He thought sure that would be willing, but the son-in-laws were not willing to go. And then when the wife got out of Sodom, she looked back longing for it. I want to ask a question this morning. In your journey with the Lord, where you, you heard the message of escaping, when you heard the message that judgment was coming and you heard the message that Jesus was coming, has, has there come a time in your relationship with Christ that you're beginning to look back? You're beginning to forget? You're beginning to, to not acknowledge the coming of Christ and acting like it's not going to happen? We must understand. We must stay ready. We must be ready. We've got to focus on his coming as something that will be real in our lifetime, that it can be real as today. You see, 
the imminent return of Christ means he can come at any time. There's nothing in Scripture that will hinder his return today. There's nothing that has to take place except his choice, Father's choice, to say, Son, go get my children. You see, what our problem is, we're focusing on every day. What our problem is, is that we're focusing on life's activities. Our problem is that we're focusing on entertainment and sports, and we're focusing on pleasure and everything but God. Because of this preoccupation, the things of God are irrelevant. Because of this preoccupation, the things of God are unimportant. And even in the church, it can happen where we lose sight of the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. The second thing is when, there's in, when there is this atmosphere that he's not coming, not only is there indifference, but there's depravity. There's an open today flaunting of sexual behavior. When I turn on the TV at any point, and I see what's flaunting before the audience. When I see things that when I was young, I would have never heard, I would have never seen on television, it would have never been accepted by the public, but now, now, it is accepted as normal things, the behavior, the depravity is is, rel- is prevalent. You see, how did we get here? How did we get to this point of depravity? Man has come to a point that there's no God. There's no accountability. So therefore, I have my free will. And now people say, the church has no right to dictate to me what is right or wrong. Because there is no absolute truth. There is nothing that we can say is concrete. Everyone is is doing today what is right in their own eyes. And they dare us as the body of Christ to speak out. I want you to understand something. That body they say that is theirs and they can do whatever they want to was created by God. And he set rules on behavior. Without God, people have no rules. Without God, there is no boundaries. Everything is right in their eyes. But in spite of this mindset, God still has a standard. Don't be sucked in by the society we're living in. You don't have to listen to a lie. You can listen to the truth. The third thing I'd like to mention when people don't think that the Lord is coming, not only is there indifference, not only is there depravity, but there's also violence. Genesis 6, verse 11 and 12. Now the earth was corrupt In God's sight, that sounds like today, doesn't it? That was Noah's day. And it was filled with violence. 
Does that sound like today? God, how, God saw how corrupt the earth had become. Does that describe today? For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. This year, from January to the mid of June, there's been 27 school shootings. From January to the present, I didn't hear the, the news this week. But before this week, 250 mass shootings in the last six months. Ten mass shootings happened week before last in one week. This is the atmosphere of violence. You can't drive down the road without fear that if you do anything that offends, you may be killed. The earth now is filled with corruption. The earth now is filled with violence. But I want to tell you something. Even though there's indifference, even though there's depravity, and even though there's violence, the world's chaos is only leading us to God's eternal purpose. Take comfort in that. You don't have to worry. You don't have to threat. Even though you're living in a day that you see it, you can be comforted that it's leading us to the divine purpose of God. In Luke 21, 32, truly I tell you this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. I love this next part. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. God is saying, you can count on it. It's as good as done. I've said it, it will happen. Somebody praise him for that. My third point this morning is, what if? What if these are the days of the coming of the Lord? What if? What if people are scoffing and saying he will not come? My third point is, what if Jesus comes today? What if... Jesus comes today. Romans 13, 11. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Did you hear that? Paul said, understand the present time. That, that was almost 2,000 years ago. 
understand the present time. If that was true in Paul's day, it's surely true today. And he is saying, don't slumber. Be alert. For your salvation's close. But I'm already saved. But you're not completely saved. You still struggle with sin. You're still in this human body. You're not glorified yet. You're not in the presence of God yet. The best is yet to come. Right? The best is yet to come. You see, Paul was saying what's important is for us to be consistent. If we're not consistent, we can't be ready for his coming today. You see, we don't know what day or hour the Lord doth come. But we will have confidence if we have been consistent. We we, if we have a relationship with Christ every day, then we are confident that any day he comes, we will be ready for his return. Can someone say yes? You see, Paul never wavered from his faith in Jesus Christ. He had every opportunity to waver by the persecutions that he faced, constantly bombarded with persecution, nakedness, famine, shipwreck, all these things, he did not get deterred from his faith in the Lord. What would, what keeps you today from your faith? What keeps you from being consistent today? What would keep you from not being ready for his coming today? You see, we've got to be consistent because if we're consistent, we'll keep our faith. And if we are strong enough, we'll keep our faith and still be flexible enough to make an impact on our society. You see, some people keep their faith, but they're so staunch in their beliefs that the world don't want to hear them because they're not flexible to share themselves openly before others and let them real see the reality that we as Christians are human beings who are not yet perfected, but we're on a journey to perfection. So when we are flexible enough that the world can hear our message, then we keep our faith in a strength that is beyond our human opportunity within ourselves. You see, 1 John 2, 28, it says, and now, dear children, he's talking to the church, continue in him. You can't just start. You've got to continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. You see, the majority of people today never give a thought to the return of Christ. A majority of people, maybe in the church, doesn't give a thought every day to the coming of Christ.
But if we are aware of his coming, we're preparing for his coming. If we're preparing for his coming, then we're consistent in preparation. And we will not be ashamed at his appearing when we see him. We will be confident because we know him and he knows us. And we are assured in that. Look at Matthew 25, 1 through 6. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they became drowsy and fell asleep. But I want you to listen. At the midnight cry, when it rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. The foolish virgins didn't have any oil, but the wise did. What is that oil? Is the freshness of his spirit within us. Let me tell you something. You cannot rely on the work of the spirit in your life that happened yesterday. You have got to have a live experience with the spirit today. Because if you don't, your lamp is going to go out. And you're going to be foolish. And you're going to be ashamed. And you'll be back in this church weeping and crying out and say, Oh, God, I was so foolish. But if you have the oil of his spirit within you, every day, every day it's fresh. Every day it's renewed within you. (laughs) Then you can say, Lord... I'm ready for your coming. You see, I want to ask the question, when was the last time you said, come quickly, Lord Jesus? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can't listen to the news without saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I can't look at television and say, see how deprived man is and how violent man is without saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But you know, it's going to get worse and worse. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You must keep watch because you do not know the hour or the day. The Lord cometh. Would you stand with me? We're going to read this scripture. What if? Jesus comes today. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Somebody ought to be shouting. Your loved ones are going to rise. <laughs> And if you're dead when he comes, you're going to rise. 
And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, the most important event you will ever experience is the coming of Christ. The most important event, whether you're dead or alive, is when Jesus returns. The most important sound you will ever hear is the voice of the Lord making a command. And I don't know what that command's gonna be. It could be, get up, come up. One little boy in my church back in Alabama, he said, Mom, you know what the Lord's gonna say when he comes back? He was just about four or five years old. He said he's gonna say, what's up? What's up? I wanna tell you what's up. The dead in Christ is up. The living saints are up. The plans of God are up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, he's gonna speak with such authority that the graves will open at his command. He's gonna speak with such authority that gravity will lose its hold on the believer. Oh, what a time it will be of his coming. The stage is being set. It is not for us to be afraid. It is not for us to be worried. It is for us to be comforted. For when he went on to say in that chapter, he said, therefore comfort one another with these words. Hallelujah. You see, even the people who say the Lord's delayed his coming can be a comfort to us because God already prophesied they were going to do it. What if Jesus comes today? If you're ready, you'll have comfort forever in his presence. If you're not ready, you will be ashamed at his appearing. And that shame can last for eternity, but it doesn't have to be because God wants to make you confident, not ashamed. Will you bow your heads right now as we humble ourselves in the presence of Almighty God. If you're here today and you're not saved, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never known Him. Or you may have known Him, but you backslid and you went back. You lost sight of the future with Christ. I would like for you to raise your hand right now wherever you are and say, I acknowledge my need of God. That's where we start. Would you raise your hand right now and say, I want to be saved. I want to rededicate my life. Would you raise your hand? It would be an honor to pray with you today. An honor. An honor. You know why some people don't give an altar call anymore? They're afraid they won't get a response. But I want to tell you, we owe it to every person in this room to give an opportunity for men and women to find God or for men to be restored. But then I want to ask another question. 
in your relationship with the Lord? Have you been slacking? Have you become preoccupied with everything except your spiritual life? You're not backslid. You're not backslid, but you need a restoration of what you once had. Would you raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I want that. I want that. Thank you. Thank you. I saw six hands raised. I want us right now, every one of us right there where we are. There's six people raised their hands to rededicate to a spiritual agenda in their life. I want you to pray for them right now. Would you join me as we pray? They're going to pray themselves, but we're going to pray for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, those people were honest enough to raise their hand. They were honest enough to say, I need to improve. There's a need in my life to progress closer to you. Oh God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the sincerity of their heart and their honesty of their effort, Lord, will be acknowledged in your presence right now. And they will be, oh Lord, able to say that there was a spiritual encounter I had in God's house this morning that made a difference in my walk. And I am going to not only make it a point today to renew that, but I'm going to make it a point every day to renew that before you, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will make their decision to be so solid they'll never think of anything less than their best for you. In Jesus' name. Now here's what I want us to pray. Before we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I want us to rededicate ourselves afresh and anew before the Lord. Would you do that with me right now? Would you dedicate yourself afresh and anew, everybody, before the Lord? And then when we finish, we're going to say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Would you begin right now? Pray on out. Come on, pray on out. We're still Pentecostal. Pray on out. Talk to the Lord. Nobody has to hear you but you. But speak it out of your mouth. Speak it out. When the mouth confession is made, with mouth, it's powerful. Our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. Dedicate. Lord, dedicate. Have dedication, Lord. Renewal, oh God. Revival, God. Stir us in our spirit, Lord. Let us have a burden for the lost. Let us, oh God, awaken to our sons and our daughters and our children and our grandchildren. Let us awaken to the burden, oh God, of our heart that they will be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we cannot rest until we know they're going to be okay, that they're going to find you. Oh God, stir us so that our hearts will disturb our sleep that our hearts will disturb our comfort zones. (laughs) Now here's what I want us to do. 
Can you honestly say in your heart, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. If you can, I want us to all do it at the same time. We're going to say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Are you ready? If you're ready, if you're ready, I want you to say it out. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Hallelujah, celebrate, celebrate. If you're ready, celebrate. If you're ready, celebrate. If you're ready, celebrate. Hallelujah. Woo! In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. (laughs) Woo! We'll meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Again, I thank the Lord for this opportunity to present His Word. And I ask that you pray for your pastor who has a heart for God, that he will be successful in leading you, and that he will accomplish what God has put in his heart for you. Father God, as we leave here today, let us go under the name and the power of Jesus Christ. And let us leave here, Father, today, reminding ourselves daily that you're coming. Because if we remind ourselves, we'll be prepared. And if we're prepared, we'll be confident. And if we're confident, we won't have to be ashamed. And we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.